ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. It is Friday. The weekend is about to begin. The Drive also begins right now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. We're going to do this for the next hour with our text line wide open, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. we got a lot to get into today, so we'll get your text in, of course, and we will also do it on social media. Twitter, still a thing. You can find me at Paul Swan. we got baseball action to tell you about coming up tonight right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. As the Pirates are in action, taking on the Angels. That's going to be a late start for a lot of you. 9.38, first pitch for that one. Going to be a fun one, I hope. We'll have it for you. Late night baseball right here at ESPN, 94.1 and AM 930. Philadelphia is at Cleveland tonight, 7.10, first pitch there. And Arizona is at Cincinnati, 7.10, first pitch there as well. Some uh, congratulations to start things off. Uh, Marshall University sending out the news today that another addition to the softball staff. Morgan Zirkle's just been stacking up coaches. She could probably start her own team with the quality of players she's been bringing in on the coaching staff. So now Marshall added Sydney McKinney. She's joining the squad as an assistant softball coach. Comes in highly decorated. She was a consensus first-team All-American in softball. She is a 2023 graduate of Wichita State. She was the first overall pick in the 2023 Athletics Unlimited College Softball Draft. So she's played alongside Coach Harrell and Coach Zirkel and the um, Athletes Unlimited League. She has coaching experience, instructor and youth coach experience working with 316 Elite Softball and Camp Sid in Kansas for the past two years. So she's definitely got the ability, the skill set there. And, of course, you know how this works. You, you hire people that you know, you work with, that maybe you, you've, you've played with, you've coached prior. You know how this works. So you want to build a, a staff that complements you, that you're familiar with, that you have a, a language with. And I think that's what Marshall's trying to do right now. So we could talk about McKinney, what she's done. She has a career 451 batting average for the Shockers. That's huge. That's big right there. She, at Wichita State, left with 376 hits, 48 doubles, 28 home runs. And her slugging percentage was 647. She's also, at Wichita State, the all-time leader in batting, average hits, runs, scored, and total bases. And her 378 hits ranked fifth all-time in NCAA Division I softball history. She had a 34-game hitting streak. That was the sixth longest in NCAA softball history. And you know what? She's got international experience as well. She was a member of the U.S. women's national team for the 2022 Japan All-Stars Series. So she can bring a lot of insight, a lot of experience, and there's still that familiarity with Allie Harrell and, of course, your head coach, Morgan Zirkel. So new hire today for the Thundering Herd. She's going to be focusing on several aspects of the game 
Defense is going to be one of them. Hitting, of course, as well, and a few other things. But what a what a one two three right here, right? I could go right now with this if I was putting together a a team. I don't know, maybe be a team to go out there and show some of the younger players how to get it done. First up would be I would put Zirkle first, and then I would put probably McKinney second, and then I would have Ali come up third. Just one two three. And if I was going to work the pitching staff, I was going to work them a little bit because all three can still go. I would do that, absolutely. So we got a lot to get into today, as I mentioned. We're going to talk about name, image, and likeness, how that will factor into future seasons for the Thundering Herd. And, of course, there's going to be a strong push for federal legislation. We'll get into that. And then the Power Five response to that legislation, and it's positive. I'll leave you with that. It's positive because it's the wild, wild west out there. There has to be something, anything, that can put a little order into this chaos a little bit. And if the NCAA would have just taken this issue and tried to be a little bit more assertive, we might not be in the situation we are right now. You're in a position where... If you have the authority, you want to use the authority. You don't want to just throw it out there because you have that. But when it comes to issues, you need to be a little bit more assertive. You need to have more direction. You can't just leave it to everybody else because if you do, well, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be left to everybody else, and it's going to be the wild, wild west out there. So we'll talk a little bit more about this comprehensive college sports package that – is gaining some steam. It's a bipartisan bill. So we'll talk a little bit about that, then what the reaction is to it. We'll get your text in, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Some of these things are beneficial to the school. Some of these things are a little bit more beneficial for the player. So maybe there's a balance here that could be hit because, after all, Without the players, you don't have the product, right? And without the product, where are the players going to go? And again, could you see a, a minor league football system be formed? I don't think so because the NFL has its minor league football system. It's called college football. That's the NFL's minor league system right now. That's what it needs. That's what it has. That's what it uses. Same thing with other sports. Not too many. And basketball is changing a little bit, but... College basketball used to be the feeder system, the feeder system to the NBA, and that's changing over the years. Hockey's a little different. Baseball's a little different. Some of the other sports are a little different, but college football is the feeder system into the NFL, So, and it's the moneymaker for a lot of schools, or at least if it's not the moneymaker, it's where the schools are trying to chase to make the money. So we'll talk about that. Get your thoughts as well. Again, that text line is 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. This is the Friday edition of The Drive. I'm your host, Paul Swan. It's ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Friday edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Our text line is open, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Start programming that number in your phone now. You're getting closer to football season, and you know you'll want to have it handy. 
when we get right into the season, but you can get your practice in right now. 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. So name, image, and likeness, college football reform. A lot of this is coming up, and it's about time as far as the way the last few years have rolled It's starting to become the wild, wild west. I can remember a few years ago when the whole concept was gaining traction. I can remember Mike Hamrick basically saying, look, it's going to put me out of business. Now, I don't think it would actually have put him out of business. And here we are in that world. But when name, image, and likeness started to pick up steam, the thought was you're taking money away from the schools and you're giving it to the student athletes. And the schools, some have lots of money and they can run an athletic department. Some are barely making budget. Others are trying to compete in that space and maybe not making budget. There's a full, full list of schools that are well-funded, adequately funded, maybe a little underfunded. And so depending on where you fall, you might have more to offer, you might have less to offer. So now there's a bipartisan group of U.S. Senators, including Cory Booker, Jerry Moran, and Richard Blumenthal. They have put out a draft, they've shared a draft of legislation aiming to establish a uniform national law governing how college athletes can profit from their name, images, and likeness. The proposed bill also goes a little bit past what would be normal NIL regulation, And there's also some proposals to change, and these are significant changes to college athletics. There's a focus on financial transparency, healthcare benefits, draft eligibility, scholarship guarantees, education, and reporting requirements for schools. There's also a suggestion from the senators to create a non-government operated college athletic corporation with subpoena power to enforce the proposed reforms and handle NIL disputes. So a non-government-operated college athletic corporation. Isn't this something the NCAA could have done? Been a force to change the way we do things and to also maybe go before Congress, go before lawmakers and say, look, we need a little, little boost here. Back us up. So here's some of the proposals. These are the key proposals to this. First of all is health care. And what the proposal wants to do is to establish a medical trust fund for sports-related injuries with athletic departments generating at least $20 million annually required to cover out-of-pocket medical expenses for two years post-playing. Let me read that again. Medical trust fund for sports-related injuries and the athletic departments that are generating at least $20 million annually are required to cover out-of-pocket medical experiences for two years post-playing. So if you get injured, you're covered two years after you're done playing. Now, departments generating $50 million annually must provide coverage for four years, including athletics-related health care during the athlete's playing tenure. I'll go back to that one. If your department that pulls in 50 million annually, 50 million annually, you've got to provide coverage for four years. So basic health care is what this is proposing for student athletes. Now, is there some thought here that maybe there should be a threshold here because the student athletes that maybe make it, and I'm just throwing this out, 
say you're a student athlete and you make it to the next level, you're on an NFL team or you're playing professionally and maybe you can afford your own health care now? You know, is there sort of a cutoff here? I, I kind of like to know a little bit more of the details here. Another key proposal is draft eligibility. Now, this is something that we watch all the time. And sometimes we wonder, why is that student athlete making that stupid decision? And I'm going to be quite blunt here. There are student athletes that are never going to get drafted. And there are student athletes that are on the fringe. They have a shot. They don't have a shot. It just depends. And then you have student athletes that are going to be home runs. They're going to get drafted. We know it. We see star written all over them. And so you take your chances. If you're a lottery pick, if you're a first-round NBA pick and you're in college basketball, you should go. Now, I think the NBA is doing a better job as far as helping players evaluate. You have that opportunity to declare for the draft. You don't take an agent. You get evaluated, and then you make the decision. And I think players need to take advantage of these opportunities to figure out, okay, I really have a good shot here or – Now, I got things to work on, but draft eligibility is pretty important. So college athletes, according to this comprehensive college sports and NIL reform bill, college athletes can enter drafts for professional leagues without losing NCAA eligibility if they return to school within seven days of the draft ending. So if you don't get drafted in the NFL and say you're a junior, you're a junior, you've come out early, you didn't get drafted. Okay, come back to school, we'll do it again next year. I'm actually okay with that. I like that one because there have been so many student athletes that have made terrible mistakes, and then they can't come back because they took an agent. Now, I'd need to see a little bit more details about this. Okay, how do you maintain eligibility? Can you take an agent? Do you have to go into the draft without an agent? What would be the details here? And that's what I'm looking for. But we have seen time and time again someone that has decided to listen to somebody else, maybe a family member, maybe they're getting bad advice. They go out thinking they're going to get drafted. They think they're going to get a a spot on a professional team. They don't. And they might have benefited from an extra year college eligibility and should have stayed. But they can't come back now. So I'm good with this. Now, I would mandate that, look, you you enter this draft – But you have to go back to school within the seven-day time frame. You can't hop schools. You'd have to go back to where you were coming from. So if a player put their name in the draft, didn't get drafted, they're a Marshall basketball player, Marshall football player, they come back to Marshall. And it's sort of understood that, okay, we know that in seven days – will have this player back or they're going to maybe try something else, whatever the case may be for them. But you have this seven-day window. I like this. But I would limit this. I wouldn't say, okay, they can go back to school. You know what? I think we go to this other school now. I'm not, again, I'm not looking for something that makes it more difficult for teams to try to figure out who's coming back because that's part of the problem of the transfer portal. Yeah, you got to limit this thing a little bit. But – I think we can work on this. We can live with this. Draft eligibility. Scholarship guarantees. In the proposal, colleges must guarantee scholarships until athletes finish their undergraduate degrees, provided they maintain good academic standing, and do not transfer. So that's a big one because I'm not going to guarantee your scholarship if you, if you transfer. That makes sense. But here's the thing. 
Colleges must guarantee scholarships until athletes finish their undergraduate degrees, provided they maintain good academic standing. They're a good student. They're actually there to get the the value of the scholarship, and they don't transfer. Okay, that's easy. We can we can work on that one. Uh, I think we get a we got to figure out. Okay, does that count against how many scholarships you can offer, or those numbers need to be definitely figured out? Because again, this costs Monday. This costs money. If you're guaranteeing scholarships, you're you're adding to the cost of college athletics. Education. This is an interesting one. Schools cannot discourage athletes from choosing specific academic majors and must provide at least 15 hours of, get this, financial literacy and life skills training annually, qualifying as college credit. Is that really a big thing? Yeah, you don't want to do that. That's going to take away. No, you come to school to be a student athlete. It's not an athlete student. It's a student athlete. So I could I could live with that one completely. And I like this one, the 15 hours of financial literacy and life skills training annually. And to be fair, I think a lot of coaches are taking some of this on their own in team building exercises. I think this is happening. I mean, we see stuff all the time. And again, it's social media. It's social media. But athletic departments are not shy about showing their student athletes doing life things. But that's cool. I like this one. And then there's transparency. Schools must annually report athletics revenue, expenses, coaches' salaries, Athletes' time committed to sports, academic outcomes, and details of endorsement contracts, excluding specific contact details, to ensure financial transparency. Where's the money coming from? Where's the money going? What's what's the books look like? Expenses. What are you spending this money on? How much of the athlete's time is being spent? All of this. I'm good with this. Now, the College Athletic Corporation, it's a proposed non-government operated entity with the power to settle NIL disputes, certify agents, and enforce the suggested reforms in collaboration with existing associations like the NCAA. So, this is going to be an associate of the NCAA, maybe to give the NCAA a little bit more of a bite. Put a little teeth to that. And as we mentioned, the corporation will be granted subpoena power to ensure compliance with the proposed laws framework. Now, here's something else to keep in mind. There have been multiple bills that federal lawmakers have introduced to reform college sports, with the latest one addressing NIL and broader college athletics issues, because leaders from the NCAA, the power conferences, schools in general have urged conferences to maybe back some of the stuff and have urged Congress to act and create this standard and avoid what is being considered the race to the bottom caused by different state laws. Because let's be honest, your state and local leaders, mostly state, will come up with the goofiest, most head-scratching laws and then get them involved in college athletics because, well, we can't let we can't let Tennessee come up with a law that benefits Tennessee better than it benefits Alabama. So here in Alabama, we're going to make uh, NIL laws that are better than the ones in Tennessee. And, of course, in Georgia, well, we can't let that happen. So we're going to do this, and we're going to make it even better. And we're going to do even more things. It's getting crazy. So how are the power leagues responding, I mean, responding to this? How, how's the power five? How's, how's the response to this? Well, we'll talk about that when we continue. 
304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. This is The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We continue on with this Friday edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. My name is Paul Swan. I'm taking your text this hour, 304-396-TALK. 304-396-8255. We've been talking about some legislation that's going to be proposed soon to try to rein in name, image, and likeness, college athletics. Some of the key points include health care, draft eligibility, transparency, also creating a organization entity called the College Athletic Corporation has the power to settle NIL disputes, also certify agents, enforce the suggested reforms, and it would have a mandate to collaborate with agencies, associations like the NCAA. This isn't a standalone. It is, but it will collaborate with the NCAA, sort of. I don't want to say this would be the muscle, but it might be the muscle. It's got a job to do, and it gets to work with the NCAA. So here's the reaction to this. And again, all of this right now, this is a draft bill. It's not actually on the floor yet. This is a draft bill. But there's been a reaction from the major conferences, ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the SEC, the Big 12. And it's a united response and endorsement of this bill. When have you ever seen the five major conferences truly, without question, work with each other? And I think this is one of those times. Now, there's a lot that's got to go into this to make it work because it might be bipartisan in in birth here. But there's also different bills that are going to be proposed soon, different legislation. This might be the best time to do it. NCAA is in leadership transition right now. Former President Mark Emmert being replaced by Charlie Baker. Baker does have political experience, and you're probably going to have to go and lobby. You imagine college athletics going to to lobby more? What if Nick Saban showed up at your door? Hi, I'm Nick Saban. I'm here to lobby for this uh, this bipartisan bill. And let me tell you why. This is a good thing. You start you start with the the A's. You knock on you knock on doors. Go with start with Alabama. Work your way down. You start if you're Nick Saban, you start with Alabama. You just have to. Pac-12 Commissioner George Kalavikov referred to the proposal as a really great start. Says that there's more work to be done to refine the bill. Now SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey emphasized the necessity of congressional action and encouraged education, communication, and collaboration in seeking a resolution for NIL issues. But if you've got a draft out there, you've got a proposed bill, and you're working on it, and then you get the endorsement of the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the SEC, and I'm sure maybe Sunbelt and a few other conferences as well will jump on this. You might have a shot here. Because name, image, and likeness isn't going to go away. And it's the wild, wild west out there right now. And it's not what we thought it would be. Name, image, and likeness, in my mind, should have been, not what I thought it was going to be, but what should have been an opportunity for a student to make 
money, but not become a recruiting tool, not become a escalation where colleges have to, I don't want to say, oh, by the way, here are the NIL opportunities that you might be able to take advantage of if you come here. Because you have organizations that are offering financial support. You have trust now, NIL trust. And again, those are coming up under some scrutiny as well because your money might not be tax deductible. Remember that conversation we had? That might not be tax deductible here. You're giving this money in thinking, okay, if I contribute to this trust, I'm benefiting the school. I'm benefiting the student athlete. Well, that's great, but you're not you're not giving to the school in a capacity where you can deduct it from your taxes the way you would a, a non-taxable donation. This isn't a donation. It's your funding. You're funding a fund that gives money, creates money opportunities for student athletes. There's nothing. Yeah, there's charity there. It's just not a charitable donation. So that's under question. But there needs to be some sort of regulation about this. And it needs to be federal. You can't have each state coming up with its own name, image, and likeness legislation because we're not talking about a situation where workers, for the most part, stay within your state. You're not regulating commerce only in your state. You're regulating commerce that crosses state borders because Alabama's in a conference with other schools and they might have different NIL deals. Marshall's in the Sun Belt. It's in a conference where there might be states that have better or worse NIL deals. If you want to try to level this, and at the same time, you want to create opportunity for student-athletes. Nobody's saying that student-athletes should not have opportunity. What we're saying is it's gotten crazy because there's no really direction here to express to student-athletes, to boosters, to administrators, to athletic departments, to everyone. Here are the rules of this. Here's what you need to know. Here's what we talk about. This is what you can do. This is what you can't do. And it's one thing if you're a car dealer and you're throwing away car dealer money at a couple of student athletes, including a car, because you think there's a rub that you're going to get because you're going to attach your business to a student athlete and insert any industry you want to there. I mean, a lot of people are just doing it because they want the rub. Absolutely. They're a booster. They're a supporter. They want the rub. They can get away with it right now because here, I'm just going to give you a car. I'm going to give you a car and you're going to do some endorsements for me. And that's great, but that needs to be regulated a little bit better because, again, it's getting to the point where what's legal and what's not? What's going to keep this a fair playing ground? What's going to make sure that it's equitable? And look, I get it. I understand. If you're Alabama and you bring in X amount of dollars and you want to spend those dollars to make your facilities that much better, then you can do that. And if you're Marshall and you bring in X amount of dollars, you can't do that at that level. So you're looking for new ways to bring in revenue so you can at least have some parity there. There's there's that to keep in mind, but at the end of the day, everybody gets the same amount of scholarships. Everybody should have the same level of here's what you can do, here's what you can't do. And we're always going to be in a situation where those that have more will be able to do more. But 
we should have at least a level playing field where you just don't write a check, here it is, and you get the best players. Am I wrong on that one? 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. And again, yeah, nobody's saying student-athletes shouldn't have the opportunity to to earn, but there needs to be some regulation on this because if not, anybody can just start writing checks under the guise of a trust and, hey, you know, this is name, image, and likeness money, and it's not intended to, hey, if you play here, you come here, we'll give you this amount of money. It's not intended to be that. It's I have the right to earn money. I should be treated like any other student at a university or college. I should be able to go out and get a job. Now, you're going to be more attracted to some because you have a a name currently attached to that sports department, which may grow as your level grows. If you get into the NFL, you get into the NBA, obviously you're going to make more money there, but you should have the opportunity to make a living, make money while you're in college. And I think that was sort of the spirit of this. And instead, it's become, if you come here, we'll give you this. And we'll call it name, image, and likeness. More coming up on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. So our final segment of today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. A few things I didn't get a chance to go over yesterday. I say for today, we've got sort of a few weeks to learn rule changes. we got to learn the rule changes. So we're good, good citizens when we're out there. Not me, but you. When you're yelling at the official, we got to be good citizens out there. Here's what you need to know. You you probably know some of this, but we'll go over this again. Stopping and starting the clock, first downs. When Team A gains a first down, the clock will no longer be stopped. I am all for this, by the way. I'm all for this. The clock will no longer be stopped to award a first down, except with less than two minutes remaining in the second and fourth quarters. That's going to be effective immediately for Division One and Division Two. They're going to work it in on Division Three. I like that one. Absolutely. Now, consecutive charge team timeouts. We need to to keep this in mind. Consecutive charge team timeouts will no longer be allowed by the same team in any individual dead ball period. Each team is entitled to three charge team timeouts during each half with no more than one charge team timeout available per team per individual dead ball period. So if the ball's dead, you take a timeout, everybody lines up, comes back, you can't do it again. That's going to make coaches mad, I'm sure. I assume the kicker's a thing. Extension of periods. Here's the big one. A period shall be extended for an untimed down in the second or fourth quarter only if a penalty is accepted for a live ball foul, if there are offsetting fouls or an inadvertent whistle. The first and third quarters will not be extended, and any penalty enforcement will be carried over to the following quarter. Also, there's a drone policy now. Drones are not allowed over the field or the team area when squad members are present within the playing enclosure. Halftime, the field will be available to squad members for halftime warm-ups no later than three minutes prior to the second half kickoff. When any squad member enters the playing enclosure during halftime, a staff member from that team must be present on the field. 
Kicking or other squad member activities must be confined to the team area until the field is available. The field will be divided into an L-shaped configuration with the 30-yard lines forming the L to keep the teams separated. Got to keep them separated. An instant replay without an instant replay booth officials is a new rule. The optional use of instant replay in games that do not have an instant replay booth officials now permissible and must be in full compliance with Rule 12, which is the replay rule. The referee will be the sole decision maker on any review and may include one additional crew member to consult on the review. The equipment used in the review must be located outside the limit lines on the sideline or end zone and must be completely outside the team area. The referee will stop the game to review all targeting fouls that are called on the field. The only other method to stop a game for a replay review is through a head coach challenge. The crew on the field may not initiate an instant replay review except for a targeting review, which the head coach may initiate if the team has a timeout available and a coach's challenge remains. We will learn these rules together. I'm curious to see how this is going to speed the game up a little bit. I know there are some that maybe think that this is ridiculous, that should not be sped up. There are some, I think, that will like the fact that, hey, let's just, let's get going. Let's play. I like action. I like action in my sports. This is going to help, I think, speed the game up. And with that, we're out of time. Thanks for being a part of the show. Back with you on Monday. We're going to have a full week. The TBT is coming up. We're going to have those games right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. So I'm looking forward to that. Have a great weekend, everyone. Don't forget Pirates baseball coming up tonight. We've got a late one for you right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Good night, everyone. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington. This is your radio home for Pittsburgh Pirates baseball, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.